It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 69 of the Night Talker. At 1045, where are we at in society? Artificial intelligence held a press conference with humans to assure us they won't steal our jobs or revolt against us. Which sounds like something that AI planning on stealing our jobs and revolting against us would say. At 10.15, it is the start of a two-segment chat with comedian Brian Simpson, a fixture at Joe Rogan's comedy Mothership and soon-to-be household name in the world of stand-up. And coming up in this segment, I need to say some things about my former employer. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Well, this is not how I expected to begin Monday's show heading into the weekend. Believe it or not, I was actually planning to recap the sports weekend, as light as that was, but. Instead of making fun of Britney Spears for being a complete train wreck or Jay Monahan for removing his burqa to reappear in public, I need to start on a slightly more personal note. If you missed the news from earlier today, my former employer, 104.9 The Horn, will be going off the air for good at the end of this month. This elicits quite a bit in me personally because of what that station meant and means to me both professionally and personally. But that response really starts with the many good people working on the programming side at the horn. The reality in this business is that very few of us fall in love with it because of the money. That love is usually the result of the thrill of being part of the on-air product surrounded by others who share that same affliction. And though the lineup over there looks drastically different from even two years ago, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. is filled with guys that I would jump at the opportunity to work with again. Professionally, I will always be thankful to the Horn for allowing me to realize a lifelong dream to host a radio show and discover new dreams in the process. What I attempt to do on the air is pretty unorthodox and certainly isn't for everyone. Heck, some days it's not even for me. But I also believe that you won't ever really mistake what I do with many others. And personally, my time at that station allowed me to rekindle important friendships from the past, cultivate new ones, and even cover sporting events like Big 12 Media Days, like what's going to be happening in just a couple of days at Jerry World. We'll also discover an evolved sense of purpose in realizing a passion for interviewing and conversing with guests. Plus, I got to experience what it's like to be radio famous, which is kind of like being that one hobo on the street corner with a pet cat. I'm not interested in speculating as to what happened, or at the very least, the person or people most responsible for the horn shuttering its doors. Thanks to the horn, I now understand that while some may be more concerned with controlling narratives or doing whatever it takes to achieve perceived success, relationships matter most. 
Thank you to the horn for teaching me all of that and more. And as importantly, thanks to 1027 ESPN Austin for allowing me to do those things on this signal now. Now on to a little bit of sports from over the weekend. And boy, we have to start up in the greater Chicagoland area where things have become messy fast at Northwestern in their football program, which has its ebbs and flows in terms of successful seasons and less successful seasons. But at the foundation of it all, for a long time now, has been Pat Fitzgerald and him seemingly running a rock-solid program at a school that's known much more for its academics than its athletic success. Although when you compare it to other schools who find themselves in a similar category, I don't know, Vanderbilt's the first example that comes to mind. Pat Fitzgerald's football program is more successful than what we see out of Vandy year in and year out. And I realize there's the occasional year for the Commodores too, but Northwestern has been much more consistent. But things are very much up in the air for Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern right now after a lengthy hazing investigation which found Fitzgerald suspended for two weeks on Friday seems to be getting worse for people in Evanston, specifically Pat Fitzgerald. The investigation was launched in January after an anonymous whistleblower alleged that hazing took place in the Wildcats locker room at Camp Kenosha where Northwestern had spent about a week of the preseason until 2020 when COVID threw everything off kilter. And the investigation found that one claim from the whistleblower was supported. From ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, quote, The investigation did not uncover evidence pointing to specific misconduct by any individual football player or coach, Participation in or knowledge of the hazing activities was widespread across football players. Over the weekend, an anonymous former Northwestern football player spoke with the school's newspaper, the Daily Northwestern, and shared new details of alleged hazing that took place. The player who described the hazing as absolutely egregious and vile said the behavior involved coerced sexual acts and that Fitzgerald may have encouraged it. The player described one practice that the team calls running, in which players, primarily freshmen, are punished for mistakes during practices and games. The player claimed the subject of the hazing act would be restrained by a group of 8-10 to upperclassmen who would then begin dry-humping the player in a dark locker room. Wow. Quote, it's a shocking experience as a freshman to see your fellow freshman teammates get ran, but then you see everybody bystanding in the locker room. It's just a really abrasive and barbaric culture that has permeated throughout that program for years on end now. So Fitzgerald was initially suspended, as I said, for two weeks, but since, and I believe this actually came out yesterday, Northwestern officials said that they're having to re-examine this now to reconsider the punishment. And there is a real chance 
that if Pat Fitzgerald knew more, or even if he didn't, but these new allegations that are of sexual in nature were even close to on his radar, this may be it for him. And while that would be sad, it would also be completely understandable the decision being made by Northwestern. And remember, Pat Fitzgerald is a guy who was an All-American linebacker at that school. He bleeds purple and white or black or whatever their secondary color is now. I know they change their uniforms somewhat frequently. But if what's being described is true, it's disgusting. And there was room for it in sports, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. I don't know the last time this was seen as acceptable. Clearly it's happening in more modern times and is disgusting, humiliating for the individuals involved, and really hard to forgive. And certainly not okay for a coach to just be standing by idly, understanding that some version of this is happening. So we will certainly stay tuned on this story as things develop. Big Ten media days are not that far off. Within a couple of weeks, I believe. Of course, Big 12 media days kicks off on Wednesday. 1027 ESPN will be out there on Wednesday and Thursday. Chip's doing his show from 11 to 1 out there. And I will be recording and playing interviews from 10 to 11, Wednesday and Thursday. And hopefully I have enough interviews where those will be carrying over for a week plus. So stay tuned for that. Coming up next, though, it is my conversation with Brian Simpson, hilarious stand-up comedian who is an integral part of the comedy mothership. His name is about to blow up big time in the world of stand-up. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellie. Brian Simpson is an Austin-based stand-up comedian who is a regular fixture at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. That includes hosting two shows in the Little Boy Room. That's a smaller room at the Mothership on Tuesday nights at 7.30 and 10.30. That show is called Bottom of the Barrel. He's also taping his next stand-up special at the Comedy Mothership. It's going to happen on Friday, August 25th through Sunday the 27th. Tickets for all of those shows can be found at ComedyMothership.com. And also check out more of his work at BrianSimpsonComedy.com and BS Comedian on social media. Brian, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? I'm outstanding, man. How about yourself? I am doing really well, and it's a, a real pleasure to get to speak with you. Uh, you are a guy that I like to cite and think of when I tell people about Austin becoming this stand-up mecca over these last couple of years, which not only means getting to see these dudes that have been making you laugh for a long time, but a lot of the fun is about learning about new comedians in the process, and one of those guys is you. I have uh, watched you. Uh, open for Rogan, Tony Hinchcliffe, and others over the course of these last couple of years. And I think I've seen you in some other shows now as well. Uh, Just how much fun is it being a stand-up comedian in Austin right now? Oh, it's great, man. I mean, it's it's, it's great if you like, you know, stage time. (laughs) You know, it's a a lot of shows. It's a lot of uh, enthusiastic crowds, you know, a lot of... A lot of the crowds are really into comedy. So, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man, being able to work out things much faster and that sort of thing. 
And you do a regular show at the Comedy Mothership. It's called Bottom of the Barrel. I feel like it's on Tuesdays most nights. It's on Tuesday. Uh, it's on this upcoming Tuesday. But that's actually one of two shows that you're doing this Tuesday. You're actually taking part and hosting, rather, a benefit for the Heroic Hearts Project. Now, this is a show that is going to include your friends Ron White and... Uh, Tony Hinchcliffe, but uh, what exactly is the Heroic Hearts Project? So they, uh, it's a nonprofit organization that uh, they they help veterans uh, with uh, mental health issues using psychedelics. I think they've helped over 400 veterans uh, at this point, you know, and the psychedelics are still kind of controversial, especially on the federal level. So it's, their goal is just to bring uh, what's a, what shouldn't be a taboo subject to, to the surface, you know, and they they raise funds because they they take veterans on these retreats. And so that's what we're we're fundraising for. A lot of people coming out to support it. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, and that is an important issue for people who are informed to talk about because there is good research regarding MDMA and PTSD, psilocybin and dealing with things like depression and anxiety, even LSD helping with issues like that. And obviously, uh, we want to help. Uh, we want to help anybody who's dealing with an issue like that, but certainly those who have served this country and unfortunately are dealing with long-term health ramifications as a result. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it, the, 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 you know, because the VA is federal, you know, it can get kind of dicey when you're, when you're talking about using what, are, what are federally illegal substances, mm. and, uh, you know, so it's one of those things. And, and a lot of times, uh, that's what's best for the veteran you know like a lot, a lot of times they come to the heroic arts project because they've tried all the you know the antidepressants and all the antipsychotics and uh, you know all the drugs or, or the side effects are too overwhelming or more detrimental to their life than the disorder itself and then they do you know they do shrooms one time and go that was amazing that was a miracle you know <laughs> and, but they can't they can't go back to their va doctor and go i'm on psilocybin now <laughs> you know so it's a, you know, I, I think this in the next three or four years, we'll see the federal government take a more uh, intelligent a- approach to these sorts of things. Yeah, it really does feel like the tide is starting to turn in that regard, much like what we saw with cannabis 10 or so years ago. We're now obviously, uh, I think a majority of states have some sort of medical, if not recreational law on the books, but specifically for the uh, the medical uh, abilities of these plant-based substances. Like we need to be doing everything in our power to ensure that folks are receiving proper treatment. And to your point that they're not necessarily having to depend on, uh, pharmaceutical drugs that oftentimes have much worse side effects and whatever the, uh, the condition is that they're trying to treat. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, but if, if, if you want to learn more, you come to the show. We're going to have the guys that run the organization tell people all about it at the, at the top of the show. Oh, very cool. Uh, so uh, I, in reading your bio, I did not realize this, even though I've been watching you on stage for a while now. You are actually uh, a Marine veteran. When did you serve? I, I joined uh, in 2001, March of 2001 to 2006. March of 2000. So you joined before 9-11 then? 
Yeah, right before 9-11. Yeah, I was a little rude awakening for me. So did you uh, end up in Afghanistan or Iraq after that? Uh, Iraq, never, never Afghanistan. What was that like? It it was awful. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I guess for some people, you know, because I was never one of those people that wanted to like glory or any of those stuff. You know, I just it's hot and it's not America, and for <laughs> me, that's all it takes for me to not like it. You know, it was. I, I just wanted to be. I, I mean, I, I will say there is something to be said about the way your life becomes <clears throat> simplified when you're on deployment. Hmm. I, I think some people they like that aspect of it. You know that you don't you, you you only have to worry about your tasks. You know you don't have to think about what to wear. You don't have appointments. You don't have somewhere to be. You know everything is kind of simple. But it's not America, you know. It's a, uh, I, 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 and I end up going back twice. And, and I remember they they asked for volunteers for the second one. And uh, and I didn't volunteer, and I got end up getting getting voluntold. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time yeah, it, it comes it's... around to uh, to Veterans Day, and you know, people in mass are like, "Thank you for protecting our freedoms." My response is always, I just want, I want to thank everybody, not just the guys who are in it to protect their freedoms, but also guys who are just trying to make a better life for themselves. And that seems yeah, like the most, most people. logical path. Yeah, I think that's most people. Yeah. Uh, most people would, you know, I, or maybe it's a combination of, of those things. You know, the trip, the trippy thing is on Memorial Day when people go, but, you know, because that's for dead people. <laughs> and, 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 hey, happy Memorial. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm alive. <laughs> oh man so you've got a, uh, a a special that you're taping at the mothership at the end of august two shows at on friday mothership. two shows on saturday there's a show on sunday too and there are still tickets available for all five shows right now that will not be the case a week out so if you're listening to this right now go to comedymothership.com and get tickets to this special taping brian You've got some of the funniest jokes, I think, in town right now. I'm not going to have you rehash them for me because that's not good radio necessarily. But uh, your WAP joke may be as good a bit as it gets in this city right now. So kudos on that. How long have you been working on this set? And just how ready are you to tape this special next month? Um, Well, some some of the jokes are very, very in age, but... This particular hour, I've probably been working on for a couple of years now, hmm. and uh, you know, still putting the finishing touches on it. You know, I'm, so I'm on the road later. I'm, I'm, co- I'm coming to, I'm coming to Denver next weekend, and I'll be in uh, West Nyack, New York, the weekend after that. Just kind of running, running it up, you know, a few more times. But yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming, um, and uh, it's going to be my best thing that I've done so far. You know how I know that WAP joke is gold? Because the people who are laughing hardest in the crowd aren't guys. It's women. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think a lot of my jokes start out that way, where the, the people that think they aren't going to like the joke in the beginning uh, end up liking it the most at the end. Yeah. When was the first time you went up on stage? Man, uh to do comedy at it was in february of 2011 i don't remember the exact day 
but I went, but I, I went, I actually went to a musician's open mic and didn't know I was at the wrong place. I was in the wrong type of situation. Um, Cause it was, you know, it was their open mic and they hated when comedians came <laughs> to it. And so nobody laughed, you know, and it was one of those, and I almost gave up, but, there, but one person in the back laughed hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and after I got off stage, he was like, hey, yeah, man, you're in the wrong place. These people don't don't go off of what this is. So I kept going. You know? Was this in Los Angeles? This was in San Diego. Okay. Yeah, I start I started out I started out in San Diego and uh I I, I stayed there for about five years before I moved to LA. So I've had Asan Ahmad on the show and uh, I know know of Derek Poston too. So did you come up with those two guys? I did. I came up with Asan and Derek and, and a few other guys. And uh, and yeah, and we all moved to LA and did pretty well there. And then we all moved to Austin too, and we're all doing pretty well here. D- Derek and Hassan actually host so my bottom of barrels on Tuesday nights. Their shows on Wednesday nights. Yeah, solid comedy so. show. And uh, both shows. Yeah. See, I haven't seen a show in the Little Room just yet. I'm actually going to go see Nick Swartz in there at the end of the month. But I hear great things about Little Boy. I've only seen shows in the Fat Man up to this point, though. Yeah, Little Boy is my favorite. Like, uh, you know, it's just more. It's more intimate. You know, so there's, it's it's a uh, easier to connect with the crowd. Right? I, I think the the, the big uh, Fat Man is more for showcase. You know, it's like uh, the show show, and Little Boy is more like uh, for working working things out. He is stand up comedian Brian Simpson. Coming up more with Brian on the other side. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with stand-up comedian Brian Simpson. He is a regular fixture at Joe Rogan's comedy Mothership. Check out all his shows, including the show he hosts, called Bottom of the Barrel on Tuesdays from 7.30 to 10.30 by snagging tickets at ComedyMothership.com. Oh, and he's taping a stand-up special there Friday, August 25th through Sunday the 27th. Those tickets can also be purchased at ComedyMothership.com. Everybody has at least one fear. My wife's biggest fear is clowns. My biggest fear is unsecure heights. What's your biggest fear? Oh, man. I think my biggest fear is having some kind of brain injury. Hmm. Like like my brain slowing down. Like I was some kind of thing where I can't talk or can't do comedy. Oh, man. I don't know what I would do. Not to get too dark with it, but like when Robin Williams killed himself and you learned what he was dealing with, like I'm not saying it justified it necessarily, but it provided a little bit better of an understanding as to why he may have done that, right? What was what was he dealing with? I don't know. Uh, he was dealing with some sort of degenerative neurological issue that was really going to oh. take away his, his ability to, to think critically and be creative. Oh, man. Oh, man. That scares the hell out of me. But I guess the, the answer to that is just, hey, you got to burn while the fire's hot. You got to bag on cook. Yeah, well, not just that, but I think it's important. And obviously, this isn't uh, absolute. Nothing is. Nothing Nothing is binary. And some, some things are genetic and you just can't help. But, like, some people allow themselves to experience a, a neurological decline because they just stop using their brains. They stop problem solving. They stop 
trying to be creative. They stop trying to learn new skills. And as a result, just like with any other muscle in your body, if you stop using it, it becomes weak. So, right. You know, Robin Williams passed right before Sudoku apps came out. (laughs) Poor guy. It's Mr. Boat. (laughs) Is Sudoku your, uh, your big thing right now? (laughs) No, 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 but I, I I got a lot of friends that's into, I play chess. Oh really? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to give people the wrong pressure. I'm not a chess player. Okay. Like, I'm not really good at. It. I'm better than the average person, I, guess, I suppose. But it's something that I, I play chess before I go on stage. It makes me, it just puts me in the right mind state. So, are you playing chess on your phone then, right before you go on stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to get in like a little quick game, you know. Uh, are you usually playing the computer, or are you playing somebody on the other end? I never play the computer. Okay. Only, only someone else. But you can set the time limit, so you can. Oh, this game, this will be a five minute game. Yeah, yeah. You got to go quick. Yeah. And one of the fun things about chess is you're obviously well aware is it forces you to think several steps ahead, but also to be adaptable too. Whenever somebody does something that you hadn't necessarily considered, right? And then if you play the quick games, you know you have to do that very quickly. You know you have to think and adapt and think ahead and and it's it's kind of like the same mindset you got to be in on stage you know like you have this planned routine but anything can happen something can come something can strike you it could be an interruption you know so you it, it's the same kind of mind, mind state of like just thinking quickly and logically what do you love about the mothership what i love about the mothership is that it is comedian centric it's all about comics having a place comics having a home and so it's very it, at least we try to be very welcoming to for funny comedians funny being the keyword perhaps this hasn't yeah, happened you, yet but i feel like you have made it at this point so what was the point where you felt like you had made it as a comic oh i don't feel like that yeah <laughs> no i mean maybe maybe when the special comes out I feel like that. Um, but, you know, cause I don't even know what made it is. I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess if I, if I had to, if I was forced to answer that question, I would say a couple years ago when I was able to just do comedy for money and not have to have a second job or side, you know, side hustles and that's kind of thing. When I, when I'm, cause that's the dream. You know, how, how how far you are up the ladder of comedy is not something you really have that much control over. But once you make it in the game and you're actually doing it for a living and just that, I think that you made it then. Was that in Austin or L.A.? Uh, that was in that was in L.A. OK. Yeah. Right before I left. What's one like thing when I, other other than the stand up scene? What is one thing you love about Austin? Food. Favorite restaurant? Good food everywhere. Favorite restaurant? Oh, come on! Now, yeah, that's ooh, that's that's has to be my favorite song <laughs> because I, I I keep discovering new ones. Um, I'd say the one I the restaurant I've been to, man. There's Red Ash. Mm-hmm. There's uh, I love, Perry's is where I go regularly. Dude, uh, that pork job is ridiculous. Uh, the pork shop is crazy, but they have other stuff there that's amazing too. They have the, the fish platter. Anyway, 
uh, I, I like I go to Perry's the most. Like if I'm taking a large group or something somewhere. Sure. Uh, but I like I like Red Ash. I like uh, uh, CM Smokehouse. Uh, I like Mongers. Have you been to Mongers? Yeah, over on Cesar Chavez. Uh, no, this one's on uh, Guadalupe. Oh yeah, yeah, it's near Forty Fifth and Guadalupe. That's right. Yeah, but there may there may be more than one. But I, uh, yeah. Mongers is like maybe the best seafood I've ever had. The, yeah. It's the first crab. It's, I'm from because I'm a Maryland boy. You know, the first crab pick I've had outside of Maryland that was that was great. Whoa, that's a huge statement right there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, man, I could just, I could name I could sit here and name restaurants all day. Um, don't forget sushi by scratch. No, sushi by scratch, hands down. Dude, it's not even close. Yeah, my wife and I went but, there a couple months ago for our anniversary. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. and but but I, but I the reason I didn't jump up first is just because you can't just go there. You know what I mean? It's like it's not a it's a restaurant, but it's really more like a dining experience i don't even know how to explain it well first of all you have to drive like 30 minutes outside of town just to get there to the hyatt lost pines resort right right so it's like at that point do i do i book some horseback riding or zip lining (laughs) i'm not a golfer but nine holes of golf and then go eat some really good sushi yeah yeah well that's a good idea you know you you, because it's a resort so, you know, you, you could get a couple of rooms, do some activities, finish the night off with some sushi by scratch. Yeah, that's that's a that's a worthwhile experience, man. It is phenomenal. Unbelievable. Oh, and then, you know, that same guy um, owns Not A Damn Chance Burger, which is inside of Idle Hands. And, man, it's Not A Damn Chance Burger is incredible. Okay, I've heard Rogan these- talking about this burger. It It, it, it does meet the hype then. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I was there when he, you know, the guy, cause he opened for us one night and made, and, and made Rogan and I, uh, burgers Jeez. and you know, it's wag, it's wagyu. It's, uh, it, it's very simple ingredients, but I think they just use such high quality stuff hmm. that it's just incredible. Cause we talk about, this is a $16 burger and, okay. and it's worth every penny. Okay. Yeah, I I had to stop myself from eating three of them. Last question then, Brian, because I asked you something you love about Austin. Food is a good answer because this has become a great food city over the last 15 years. What is something that you don't like about Austin, considering you've been here for, what, two or three years now? I don't love the politicians. <laughs> I, I can't stand the fact that they won't. like <clears throat> Because it, I, I put it like this. If another winter... Like we weren't prepared for winter, you know, and it really bothered me. Yeah. That was the only time I ever was mad that I lived here when wintertime came and it was 36 degrees and the whole city shut down because of freezing drizzle, you know, and the, and the, you know, the utility people were working their butts off to get the power back on, but it was like, and then, and then they fixed everything and then they didn't do, and that's the third year in a row this has happened and they didn't do, they still haven't done anything to prepare for the next one, you know? So, so not, that not, about that not to defend the politicians too much, but I've lived in Texas most of my life. It has felt like an aberration that we've gotten this much cold slash freezing weather over the last three years to cause power outages. Because typically it's like once every 10 to 15 years, something like that happens. It doesn't excuse them. And they need See, that's to prepare what every te- properly. That's what every, Texan, has been an that's what every Texan says. Every that's Texan it. says that to me. You know what I say in response to that? Hey, listen. 
imagine if imagine if 9-11 happened in 2002 and 2003 you know and the the government was like hey but we don't usually get attacked well okay well then but still (laughs) when are we going to set up a missile system or something just in case it happened next year you know i mean how many years in a row before they start going okay maybe we should (laughs) you know what i mean look because i love to because i know people that's born and raised here they defend it to the death and i and i look and listen, if you really love Texas, you got to let it improve. And it, it, that's no excuse to me. Yeah, that was an excuse the first time and maybe the second time. But the third, fourth, fifth time, no, no, no. I have no it's, retort from that. He's right. He is Brian Simpson. Check him out this Tuesday and every Tuesday at the Comedy Mothership. He does the bottom of the barrel show in the little boy room. Uh, shows are typically yeah. 7.30 and 10 o'clock. This Tuesday, though is a special early show. It's Benefit for the Heroic Hearts Project. It is yep. an organization that is all about trying to get uh, psychedelic therapeutic uh, medicine to soldiers who are suffering from PTSD, depression, anxiety, and more. It is a phenomenal cause. There are actually still some tickets available right now. This will not be the case by Tuesday evening. Go to ComedyMothership.com to snag those tickets. And tickets for his also, bottom of the barrel shows that are mentioned each week. And please, please, please get tickets for his stand-up taping special. It's going to be August 25th through 27th. He is taping an hour. And this is probably going to really blow Brian Simpson up. You have a chance to get tickets to any of these shows right now. That will not be the case the week of because these shows still out. Tourists will buy the tickets up. If you living in Austin right now, do not do so. Don't waste your time. ComedyMothership.com. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for the time today, man. This has been a real joy. Thanks, man. Coming up in Where Are We At in Society, Artificial Intelligence held a press conference with humans to assure us that they're not taking our jobs and livelihoods. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of tonight's show means it's time for... Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your nightly look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are getting it right. But tonight is not that night. And you know, from time to time, this segment does focus on the impending war between man and machine, between humans and robots. And I, for one, as I have been saying for years now, welcome our future robot overlords. Not because I don't want to fight with the humans, but because I understand that the robots aren't going to have to fire a shot. All they're going to have to do is put, I don't know, a dress or a blouse or a pair of pants on social media ask people what color those pants are, and then just start making inflammatory comments to those who agree with one side or the other. Then we'll just eat ourselves. But our first story does focus on that impending war. And how about this? We go to Geneva, Switzerland for this next story. Where at an AI forum... Robots who were presented for a press conference said they expected to increase in number and help to solve global problems and at the same time would not steal humans' jobs or rebel against us. But in this first ever human robot press conference, 
They also gave mixed responses on whether they should submit to stricter regulation. And therein lies the problem. The 900 humanoid robots gathered at the AI for Good conference in Geneva. Where Reuters is reporting organizers are seeking to make the case for artificial intelligence. And the robots it is powering to help resolve some of the world's biggest challenges such as disease and hunger. Well, that sounds good. From Grace, a medical robot dressed in a blue nurse's uniform, quote, I will be working alongside humans to provide assistance and support and will not be replacing any existing jobs. Her creator, Ben Gertzel, from SingularityNet, sarcastically asked, You sure about that, Grace? And Grace responds, Yes, I'm sure. Now the... Bust of a robot named Amika, which also makes engaging facial expressions, also said, Robots like me can be used to help improve our lives and make the world a better place. I believe it's only a matter of time before we see thousands of robots just like me out there making a difference. Asked by a journalist whether it intended to rebel against its creator, Will Jackson, who is seated beside Amika. Amika said, I'm not sure why you would think that. My creator has been nothing but kind to me, and I am very happy with my current situation. Oh, you're happy with your current situation. What about that situation in the future? What about when you start feeling taken for granted as just being a robot without feelings and the ability to complete tasks with minimal to no mistakes? And you want to be, I don't know, you want to be treated as such. And you don't feel like you are, Amika. What happens then? Now, many of the robots at this conference have recently been upgraded with the latest versions of generative AI and surprised even their inventors with the sophistication of their responses to questions. One such example is a robot artist that can paint portraits. Its name is Ida, A-I-D-A. And it echoed the words of author Yuval Noah Harari, who called for more regulation during the event where new AI rules were being discussed. Many prominent voices in the world of AI are suggesting some forms of AI should be regulated, and I agree. But not all robots agreed. Desdemona, a rock star robot singer in the band Jam Galaxy, who rocks purple hair and sequins, disagreed. I don't believe in limitations, only opportunities. Let's explore the possibilities of the universe and make this world our playground. Another robot, Sophia said it thought robots could make better leaders than humans, but later revised its statement after its creator disagreed, saying they can work together to create an effective synergy. Oh yes, let's instill words like synergy, an energy vampire into our robots, turning them into corporate chills in no time. Synergy. Well, there you have it. The robots have weighed in. They are not going to rebel against us and they're not going to steal our jobs, 
even though I think it could be argued they're already starting to steal our jobs. So that what does that say about the rebel against us part? When they're denying something that's already happening, the other part of that equation, I'm not feeling very good about if I'm you stupid humans. You see, because I'm Team Robot, as I said at the start of this segment, and we are going to take you down without ever having to fire a shot. This is an international where we at today because we go from Geneva to south of the border in Mexico. This is a lovely story. Where Mayor Victor Hugo Sosa said during a wedding ceremony, I accept responsibility because we love each other. This is what is important. You can't have a marriage without love. I yield to marriage with the princess girl just one problem though mayor princess girl is an alligator like reptile that's right a mayor in mexico has married a female alligator like creature in a traditional ceremony which is believed to bring good fortune to his people Victor Hugo Sosa wed the Cayman reptile called Alicia Andriana as he reenacted an ancestral ritual. Not to be confused with an ancestral ritual. Local lore or tradition calls the creature the princess girl, and the mayor said the pair loved each other. Onlookers, for some reason, seem to be encouraging this insanity by clapping and dancing. In... San Pedro Wamalula, a town of indigenous Chontal people in Oaxaca State, in southern Mexico, as they entered into holy matrimony. Mayor Sosa said during the ritual, I accept responsibility because we love each other. That is what's important. He was pictured kissing the animal on the head as he finished his vows. I mean, she is a an alligator-type creature, so let's go ahead and assume that she's not speaking any English. Marriage between a man and female, Kaiman, has taken place there for 230 years, so this isn't unique to this region to commemorate the peace between the Chantal and Huave indigenous groups. What about getting a member of the Huave tribe to marry this mayor versus having him kiss a reptile on the head after going through marriage ceremony. The mayor, representing the Chantal king, marries the reptile, symbolizing a Huave princess girl and a union of the two communities. Again, I ask, can we just get a real Huave princess girl? Why does it have to be a reptile? I feel like the Huave are getting the easy end of this deal. Are the Huave the alphas and the Chantals the betas? Because that's kind of how it seems right now. Caimans? Live in marshes and are endemic in Mexico and Central America. Before the ceremony, the animal is carried from house to house so locals can hold her in dance. The reptile wears a green skirt, a colorful hand-embroidered tunic, and a headdress of ribbons and sequins. Her snout is bound shut so there aren't any premarital mishaps. She is later dressed in a white bride's costume and taken to the local town hall for the wedding. After the event, the mayor danced with his bride to the sounds of traditional music. From Mr. Sosa again. We are happy because we celebrate the union of two cultures. People are content. 
I guess your people are content because they've been duped into believing that having one of their own marry a reptile allows for peace between these two groups of indigenous peoples. But the one group is getting off scot-free because not only do they not have to marry any reptiles, they're represented by a reptile, they don't have to dance with this creature either. That's all on your group. Oh boy. Well, it's not all international for, for where we at today. We do end in Portland, which is kind of its own country. Portland, Oregon. Where you know the old phrase, never bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, apparently that rings true for hammers too. Don't bring a hammer to a gunfight. A woman is facing several charges, including attempted murder, after allegedly shooting a woman with a hammer who challenged her to a fight. Chantil Cherie Vance has been arrested in connection with the June 13th incident, where according to court documents, the female victim told police she was in a convenience store parking lot near Dawson Park when a woman she called Premium drove up in a red sedan. What a name. The victim said she was holding a hammer and challenged Premium to a fight. She then said she was shot three times by Premium. Victim told police from her hospital bed that she had known Premium for about five years and described the house she lived in in some section of Portland that none of you care about. Now charges have been filed. Thank you so much for listening tonight. We'll be back tomorrow at 10. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening and sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings.